Power up part six. Let's get into it. The power of your words. Proverbs chapter 18 and James chapter three. We will be in these texts back and forth. Uh, I want to let you know something. Uh, When I plan a series, I usually have the subjects and the message series is the message is lined up and I had them all lined up for this series. Seven things we're going to talk about that power up our lives. And one of them was fasting. And that was supposed to be this week fasting. And on Thursday, the Lord said to my heart, really just put it in my heart. I don't want you to talk about that. I want you to talk about their words. And uh, so this was not planned, and this was a redirect of the Lord, and, and I love the redirects of the Lord because it just lets me know that he's still speaking to me, uh, still, still leading to me, and, and I love that because the scripture says that the Israelites followed the cloud every day, and, and you never knew where the cloud was gonna be. And so we follow the cloud in this church. We can make plans, but God's purpose prevails. So today, not fasting, we will put that off, that message off for when we actually do our annual fast in January. Um, But this week, the power of your words. Your words have power. Now listen to me, no one in any of our locations can say to me, you have no potential. No one in any of our locations or watching online can say to me, I have nothing to offer. I'm not gifted. I don't have any abilities. Wrong, wrong, wrong. You, and I say this with intentionality, you have almost, and I mean almost, <laughs> unlimited potential. The world, the world will tell you you got unlimited potential. We all know that's not true. Okay, I am five foot 10. My dream was to be the next Larry Bird. It didn't work out. I do not have unlimited potential, but I have almost unlimited potential. In other words, I can do greater things than I realize, more than I think, because first, I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm born again of the Holy Spirit. And God is for me, not against me. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So here's what the Bible makes very clear. And this is why the Lord redirected my, my heart. I knew it. I know it now. As I began to prepare on speaking on the power of your words, I was shocked. I was shocked about how many passages in the Bible deal with our words. Like we believe that this is God's word and part one was the power of his word, but I never planned to talk about the power of our word. Look at this passage in in Proverbs 18. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. That's verse 20 of Proverbs 18. From the fruit of the man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. Uh, He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Let's stop there for a second because what's that saying? It's saying you eat what you speak. It's, that's what it's from the fruit of your lips, your stomach is satisfied. Now, now in dietary uh, world, in the dietary world of our lives, how many know our stomachs can get filled whether we are eating broccoli or burgers? You understand? You, you can eat up a bunch of broccoli and you can fill your stomach and feel satisfied because your stomach is full. But you could also head down to McDonald's, get yourself a double quarter pounder with cheese, put that in, and your stomach will also feel full. The difference is the results of what comes out of you after that moment. <laughs> One's good, one not so good. And, and what comes in when we're eating broccoli? How does that feel? How, how does that feel? Anybody get jived up about broccoli? Anybody ever say, we're going to have a barbecue in our house and we're serving boiled broccoli? No. We're going to have a barbecue. We're going to do burgers, cheese, 
jalapenos, tomatoes. Oh man, we're gonna load that sucker up. We're gonna put some bacon on it because it's not unhealthy enough yet. So we're gonna put some bacon on it. And then we're gonna fill yourself. I mean, look, what I'm trying to say is both ways to eat fill you up, but what comes out is dynamically different. So look at the next verse in Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death, that would be burgers, and life, that would be broccoli, are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. What does that mean, that those who love it will eat its fruits? Um, here's what it means. It means that everybody, and I don't care what anybody says, everybody loves to hear themselves talk. Even introverts, it's just the, the size of the crowd they're talking to. Introverts wanna just talk to themselves or a few people. Extroverts like me, we wanna talk to a whole bunch of people. No big deal. The bigger the crowd, uh, the better off we are. But, but here's what he's saying. Everybody likes to talk about, everybody likes to talk. Everybody has words, some more than others. But you're eating what you speak. You're eating what you speak. And what you eat as you speak will come out in your life in different ways and here's what some of you gotta get. Your life right now is the result of your words. What are you saying to you? What are, what are the lines that you are rehearsing in your mind when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, on the way to work, on the way home, on the way on the way to church, what are the words? Okay, what are the lines that you are speaking into your life, death or life? So I woke up yesterday morning really early and I had this phrase going through my head and I was like, why is that going through my head? Anybody ever wake up with like a phrase and you're just like, ah, what is that thought? Where'd that come from? And the phrase was this, it was, it was, it just kept rolling in my head as I was getting dressed. Here was the phrase. I'm not crazy, I'm just a little unwell. <laughs> I kid you not, I was getting my pants on. I'm not crazy, I'm just a little, I was showering, I'm not crazy. Showered first, then put my pants on. But you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> this phrase just was in there and I don't, and I was asking the service last night, who wrote that song? And they said, I guess it's Matchbox 20. And uh, it's called what? Unwell? Now, I don't, I, I've never been a fan of Matchbox 20. I, I, I probably would like their music. I guess I heard it somewhere. Can't remember the last time I heard that song, but it was in my head and it was speaking to me. And I was thinking about that word that was coming out of my mouth or in my spirit. I'm unwell. I don't want to say that about myself. And I love the Lord because I said, Lord, I don't like this word that's in my head. You know, the Bible talks about taking every thought captive, every thought captive. We don't take people captive, we take thoughts captive. So you take a thought, as soon as a thought comes in your head you don't like, that does, that's just totally godless and anti-scripture, you gotta, you gotta speak up. You can't just let that conversation roll in your head. You can't just have that coming around and around and around because you will meditate on it. You will rehearse it. You will, you will uh, rehash it. And then it's going start to shape how you feel about you. The last thing that I want to think about myself is that I'm one well. So I said, Lord, I take that thought captive. And the Lord spoke right into my spirit and he gave me a wonderful, precious word. And he said, Tim, thank you for talking to me about this. Here's what he said. You're actually the opposite. You are a bit crazy. 
but you're totally well. And I was like, yeah, amen. I'll take crazy, amen. You can be crazy as long as you're crazy for Jesus. Can I get a good amen at every location? Okay, yeah, it's not a problem to be crazy. It's just about what you're crazy about. Anyway, so I am, I'm not unwell, I am well. What are you saying to yourself? Write this down so I know you're getting it. My mouth can bury or build my life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Notice, please, if you will, in Proverbs 18, 21, it says death first. Why does it say death first? Because that is our natural state. See, scripture says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's Ephesians 2, 5. Before Jesus saved us, understand theology. I can't, I can't stress this enough. We have, we have a pandemic of low theology in the church. We got preachers who wanna tell jokes and make people smile, but they don't, they don't teach people doctrine. And I'm not gonna save you through jokes. I love to tell jokes because I love to laugh, but it's about the doctrine, the truth of scripture that shapes our hearts. And so here, understand this. Before you were a Christian, you were not a good person. You were not almost there. You were not 50% of the way to getting your life together. No, that's not what scripture teaches. That's what Dr. Phil teaches. That's what Oprah Winfrey teaches. That's what every pop psychologist will teach you. But the scripture teaches a totally different narrative. The scripture says you were dead in trespasses and sins, spiritually dead. On the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And they and they, and they ate the tree. I don't know what's going on with this microphone. And they ate the tree and they died, not physically, but spiritually. And everybody born naturally of Adam and the woman Eve since is born spiritually dead. Doesn't mean they can't be nice or kind, but a lot of that is shaped by the culture around them. A lot of the good things that people do in this country is shaped by the, the cultural uh, formation of this country, which is actually grounded in biblical truth, by the way. But spiritually, you cannot do any good thing worthy of eternal life in yourself. God had to transform you. God had to transition you from death to life. That's why Jesus said, unless a man be born again, See, you had to be born the first time physically, and you're born the second time spiritually through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in, takes you, and transmits you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. You are now a born-again believer of God, believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your past is gone. Your sins washed completely away. Past, present, future. You've got a home in heaven. You've got the joy of the Lord. You belong to a family that is eternal and unending and you are now ready for heaven you are alive in the spirit and the formula goes like this if you're born once you're gonna die twice you'll die physically and then you will die eternally in hell if you're born twice you die once you got that? That's good preaching right there. Born the physical way, born the spiritual way, born again, born again. Some of you are like, I don't like that born again talk. Well, then you don't like Jesus because he talked about it all the time. 
He said, you must be born again. You wanna see the kingdom of God? You must be born again. How do I get born again? You ask the Holy Spirit to change your life. It's not, I need to improve. It's not, I need my problems fixed. It's not, I need my marriage solved. I need my kid back in the family. I need to, don't worry about the circumstantial problems. You say, Jesus, the biggest problem in my life is right here, I'm dead to you, I'm lost, I'm sinful. I need repentance, I need change, I need transformation. Bring me home to you. And the moment you call out to God, he responds, he cleanses you of all your sins, and he plants you in the family of God for eternity. And no one can ever pluck you out. That's the best news you can ever hear. That's why it says death first, because we're naturally dead people. You ever notice how easy it is to curse? How easy it is to <laughs> you just get frustrated at the person in front of you who will not take the turn when you know they've got plenty of time, the car is a mile down the road on the other side, take a chance. That's why God gave us V6 engines, amen, somebody. Move it. <laughs> oh, I'm getting in the flesh right now. Oh, see, see how easy it is? Death and life. So what are you doing? Are you building or burying your life? Here's the answer. It comes from your words. James chapter three, back to it, it says, the tongue is a small fire, verse five. It's a small fire, a small member, I'm sorry. It's a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. That's what he's saying in there. Verse six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Yikes! This is not to be trifled with. That's what James is saying. He said, don't think lightly of this. Two out of the 10 commandments deal with our mouth. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain and don't bear false witness. There's a bunch of Proverbs about it. I could go all day on all the scriptures that talk about how we use our mouth. Mostly they're found in Proverbs and in James. It's kind of interesting because Proverbs, James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament, the book of James. And so Proverbs 10, 14, let me go through a couple of verses. The mouth of a fool brings ruin near. I don't want that. I don't want to bring ruin near to my life. Proverbs 12, 6, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. But the mouth, look at how it, look, look at how it turns on a dime. But the mouth of the upright delivers them. Jesus says that you will be justified or condemned by your words. This is incredibly important. Understand this. Notice that Jesus, I don't even know, I, I don't have this on the screen, but he doesn't say you will be justified or condemned by your works. It's not your good deeds that get you to heaven. <coughs> words. How do we get to heaven through our words, pastor? That doesn't make sense. Here's how. This is why we close every service with a chance for somebody to pray the confessor's prayer and name Jesus their Lord through their mouth because Romans 10 says that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Ours is a confessing faith. Every other religious system on the planet is a works faith. Islam is a works faith. Hinduism is a works faith. Agnosticism or good person personism in America is a works faith. Why are you going to heaven? Because I'm a good person. That's based on your works. Christianity is not a works-based faith. It is a words-based faith because God communicates his word and his word comes into us and shapes our soul so that our words are in line with his words. It's when discipleship is realigning from what we think into what God thinks. 
and speak in the same way God speaks. Proverbs 10, 21 says, the, the lips of the righteous feed many. That's what I want in my life. I want my, my lips to be beneficial to you. I'm doing more teaching than I've ever done before. I'm doing it on YouTube, youtube.com slash Tim Hatch Live, like and subscribe. And then I also do it on Sunday and the first Tuesdays and I do a training leadership class for the men of Wander's Church. I do this all the time. I am always teaching, always speaking. I want my lips to feed many. I'm having the time of my life doing it too. Really, I am. It's a blessing to feed people through the word of God. But we've got to take control. And, and here's the thing. You can have that, but you've got to get this thing under control. James chapter three, verse six, it says this, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Let's skip ahead, we already read that. Verse seven, for every beast and bird, reptile, sea creature can be tamed, has been tamed. And look at verse eight, this is a key moment. But no human being can what? Just do me one exercise at all locations. Just turn to the person you're sitting next to and say, you can't control my tongue. And then just say this, follow up, just say, because I tried and I can't either. <laughs> Marital healing taking place around the church. Marital healing. <laughs> we are powerless against this sucker. The, the most destructive beast in the, in the earth lives in a cage of ivory. Think about it, he'll come to you. Verse nine, it says, with the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, with it we curse people made in his image. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not so. So this is something that the first century church dealt with. James, the younger brother of Jesus, is the pastor of the first century church in Jerusalem, and he heard the people talking and he said, this is not right. So what they dealt with, we deal with. So how do we get this, out of con how do we get this in control? Because it's naturally destructive. Okay, four points, we're done. To tame the tongue, number one, let God teach you how to speak. Let God teach you how to speak. Okay, so here's a, a very familiar passage. We, when we stood and read the Bible, we read this verse, James 3, 1. Not many of you should become what? Teachers. Not many of you should. So let, let me ask you a question. What's a synonym for not many? Few. Few. Few of you should become teachers. At Waters Church, we got that down. We do, there's not many teachers. You'll see me and a few others, but the rest of you are not teachers. By the way, this is why we do not promote Bible studies sanctioned by Waters Church because I have seen these things go rogue badly, go crazy, hurt people. So if you go to a Waters Church, if you go to a Bible study and the person says, I'm a Waters Church Bible study, just know it was never sanctioned by the leadership of Waters Church. We do life groups. People can share their stories, talk about the scriptures on Sunday, talk about how God is speaking to them through the scriptures and all those things. That's for your benefit and edification, but we don't promote Bible studies. I don't have anything against Bible studies. I just know that sometimes people want to make themselves teachers when they should not be teachers. And then they hurt others. And guess who deals with it? <laughs> the pastors, the leaders, the elders, okay? So I'm asking you to understand why we do that. And we also do it because James says, not many of you should do it. Then he says this, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, can I just say that what we do there with that verse is we stop, we put a period, we say, okay, here's the application of James chapter three, verse one. I will not teach others because I don't wanna be judged more strictly. And 
Just a side note, it doesn't even say that we're gonna be judged more strictly by God. It doesn't say that. People say, that, oh, pastor, when you get to the judgment seat, you're gonna really be judged, but I'm not gonna be. That's not what James is saying. It could very well be implied in the text, but, it could, but what I think James is saying is that when you're a public speaker on behalf of the Lord, the people that see you are gonna hold you to a higher standard because you gotta be smoking what you're selling. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, I just got myself in trouble right there, right there. Your words would justify or condemn. So people see that I'm a, whenever a conversation starts, and it's always happening when I meet somebody new, because it gets to the point of that question, what do you do for a living? I'm a preacher. Oh, mm, 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 preacher. Mm. And then suddenly I can just see elevated, even they try to elevate their standard of living suddenly. Suddenly they're like, yeah, that, uh, oh, they were gonna say something they don't say it anymore. They stop swearing. They start like, you know, tightening their shirt, tucking it in, like covering their tattoos. I didn't realize I was in the midst of a preach. So there's a holiness that comes around that. Anyway, the point is, is we don't wanna stop at verse one here. Look at verse two, four. Four is a continuing word. In other words, James is saying, continue the thought, continue the thought. I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to teach you something bigger than just don't be a teacher. I'm trying to teach you something bigger than that. For we all stumble in many ways. If you don't stumble in what you say, you're a perfect man, able to pride your whole body. What does he say? Don't many of you be teachers. So here's the question. If many of us should not be teachers, what should many of us be? Students or learners. Understand what James is really saying. Let's back up so that we're sure that this is the proper interpretation. We can back up to James chapter one, because here's what James does all the time in his book. He bounces around to different topics and he comes back to them, like any good preacher does. So in verse, chapter one, verse 19, he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to what? Hear, slow to what? Speak, God gave you two ears and one tongue for a purpose. Speak far less than you hear. So he says, then the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away filthiness and rampant wickedness. And what? Receive, underline, circle receive in your notes. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. In other words, don't spout off as to what you think, what you know, what you feel. First, let God speak into your soul. Be a hearer, be a learner. And notice it says with meekness, humble yourself and let God shape you. The word save your souls, the word save, sozo in the Greek, it does not just mean transmit you from heaven, um, from hell to heaven. That's not what that only means. That is, a, that is a very elemental translation of that word. Sozo can refer to healing. So the, the, the implanted word, oh, by the way, implanted, I love that phrase too, implanted. When you hear God's word spoken over you, you're not just getting information, you're getting an impartation. You're getting a planting of seed in your soul. And it, hear me, we're so disconnected from farming today, it's a travesty. Farmers do not go out to the field 
plant the seed on Monday, go to bed, wake up on Tuesday and see nothing and then scream at the soil. They understand it's gonna take weeks before they see anything. So when we hear the word of God, we might not see results on Monday. We might not see results on Wednesday. Please do not judge the value of going to church on Sunday by how your Wednesday showed up. You gotta say, Lord, I thank you that today I got some seeds planted in me and those seeds are in me now and they're gonna take root and they're gonna bear fruit, but it's gonna take time and it's gonna take tending and it's gonna take cultivating and it's gonna take watering, but I'm gonna change in a few years. I'm gonna change in a decade. I'm being transformed right now through the word that is planted in my soul. This is why you gotta get under the word of God, get under the word of God, and then it saves your soul, so it saves, saves, so, so, back to that word. Save can refer to healing, it can refer to restoring, it can refer to keeping or preserving. This, this word so, so is so deep, it's so much deeper than just transmitting your soul from hell to heaven. It's a whole life experience. It can heal your emotions, hello. Just a few moments in the word and I'm already back when I read the word of God. Do you set a time in your day to get into God's word? One verse, you don't have to read the whole book. You don't have to do the deep dive Bible study on your own, that's what I'm here for. You can do it just a couple of verses, one verse, just read it, read it out loud. I love to read the word of God out loud in, my, in wherever I am because I want the devil and the demons of hell that are trying to come against me to hear me speak God's word over. You gotta speak it out, you gotta just say it out. You gotta, this is going to shape you. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Let me wrap up point one by saying this. If you wanna change what comes out, change what you put in. And some of you have gotta start making an intentional effort here. You don't have any excuses anymore. In the old days, way back in the 1300s, the, the church actually kept the Bible out of people's hands. Thank God for William Tyndale. Thank God for the great reformers who died to get the Bible written in the common man's language. Thank God for these people, right? Amen. John Wycliffe. I mean, they hate the, the religious powers hated them so much when, when they died, they actually dug up their bones, burned them, and threw them in the river. They were that mad about these guys getting the Bible in people's hands. Thank God for the fact that on these phones, we can use these phones to get the Bible. And we have no excuse, because now we can just open up the Bible app and we can just press play and it can be read to us. Days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them. I yeah, so I can hear God's word. I don't have to, I can't give the preacher the excuse of, well, I don't like to read. Do you like to listen? So you just put it on in your car, it doesn't matter. 10 minutes, I'm telling you, to this day, I still get depressed. To this day, I still get down. But just a few moments in God's word, and I have to force myself sometimes to get into it. Oh, that's not gonna fix me this time. That's because that's the old stubborn death nature of mine saying it's not gonna work, and then I get into it and it's like, I feel peace. I needed that. Here's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 50, verse four. He says, the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. Notice what he says. I learned first. You don't get the tongue until you've been taught. Listen first to God's word. Then he says, I've been given that tongue that I might sustain with a word him who was worthy. The Bible comes into you, but then it comes through you to raise others around you. 
Someone in your life needs a word because they're weary. But if you've never listened, if you've never learned, if you've never been taught, you have nothing to offer. So if you wanna change what's coming out, you gotta change what's going in. And then he says, morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. This is a daily process for Isaiah. Isaiah did not come out of the womb prophesying. He learned, he grew, he developed, he listened first. Let God shape his heart through the implanted word in his soul that healed him and, and saved him and delivered him and rescued him and restored him. And then he offered it to people around him. That's how you change how you speak. Number two, tame the tongue, identify the words that bury you. Now we're gonna meddle. Now I'm gonna meddle. And by that I mean, let's talk about the real old fashioned preaching here. Are you ready? Words that bury you, letter A, gossip and slander. Gossip will kill you. Nobody will wanna trust you. Nobody will wanna talk to you. Eventually you'll be all alone with no friends. Why? Because you share everything. Always remember that if you find yourself in the presence of a gossip, there's a good chance that when you're not around them, they'll be gossiping about you. Now, what's the difference between gossip and slander? Gossip is sharing information privately that they shouldn't, that's true. And slander is sharing information that's private, that's not true. Slander is you are transmitting information that's false about somebody. That's why we call it slandering their character. That's not true about, are you sure about that? Did you actually check with them? Did you find that out? And here's what we always do, and we have an ear for it. Oh, our ears per perk up. Some of you gotta have a red flag moment in your brain. Whenever anybody comes to you and says, did you hear about? Wait, what, what, stop. Is this, are you gonna try to tell me something bad about somebody? You have to do this. Because the scripture says that, that gossip is like a precious morsel, a delicious little morsel. Ooh, tell me about it. And do you know why it's delicious? Do you know why we wanna hear bad things about other people? Because we already feel bad about ourselves. And so if we can learn something bad about someone else, it'll make us feel less bad about ourselves. This is a result of works righteousness because you're not rooting yourself in the finished work of Jesus Christ to make you righteous. You're rooting yourself in your own lifestyle and your own works to make you righteousness. And we're not righteous in our own works. And so we feel bad about ourselves. And so when we hear bad things about other people, it helps us in a works righteousness sense to feel better about us. It's gossip and it's slander and it's hideous and God hates it. Proverbs 20 verse 19, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with them. Listen to me very carefully. Somebody in the water's church comes and says, hey, did you hear about this? That, that. People do this all the time with our church too. They make all kinds of accusations about me, about our leadership, about, oh, especially about money. And the funny thing about the money people, oh, water's church doesn't spend the money right. These are the people that never give any money. Really, you don't always get the loudest complaints about money from the cheapest people. They don't give, they never serve, and then they yap to someone else about something they think they heard third, fourth party about what we're doing with the money. And they never check, our books are open, we're audited every single year. We are absolutely above the level. And we are trusting God for greater things in the future, but you gotta watch out for these slanderous accusations. Check it for yourself. You know what else we do with gossip? We never go to the person. We hear something, we never go to the person. We go to five other people and talk about it first. Or we feel something about a person, we, or somebody hurts us and we don't go to them. Jesus said in Matthew 18, when somebody hurts you, you go and tell them. He did not say when somebody hurts you, you go to five other people to find out if they feel as bad about it as you do. 
and then you never talk to them. You just turn those people against that person. That is destructive and dangerous speech. In 1 Corinthians chapter five, this is not on the screen, but Paul says this. He says, I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer. And then he says, a drunkard or swindler. With such a man, don't even eat. Never even associate with these people. Get away from them. No, you do not have to be friends with them. And no, you do not have to minister to them. Get out of that relationship. They will destroy your spirit. Letter B, lying. Lying. Now we will fancy up the phrase and we'll say, oh, I'm just telling a white lie. Or I'm just fibbing or I'm just exaggerating, but it's lying. And scripture is very clear about this. Proverbs 6, 16, it says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness, that's another liar, who breathes out lies, one who sows discord among the brothers. Look at three things in this list, because three things all, all apply to lying. The first thing, a lying tongue, that's in verse 17. The second thing, a false witness that breathes out lie, 19, in verse 19. And the last part of verse 19, one who sows discord among the brothers. So remember when I said, you have a problem with that person, so you go and talk to six other people about it first? You're turning those people against that person. You are sowing discord among the brothers. It is, God hates this. The devil is the author of division. God wants unity. He wants us to come together under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants us to love one another dearly. But these words, these lying words, watch out for this. Don't associate with this kind of person. Don't associate, you don't have to deal with it, you don't have to be around them. People will say things publicly about me that's not true. I always say this, on social media, listen, very careful. This is a, this is a life tip, this is a pro tip, this is not teaching the Bible, but listen to the pro tip because it's good. Don't respond publicly. Don't respond. They get on your Facebook and they say something that's nasty about you or about what you said, this little thing is called the delete button. Delete. Or the block button. Block. And here's what I do, I never respond publicly, oh I'm sorry, I never respond privately to someone who attacked me publicly. If they attack you publicly, you have no obligation to respond to them privately. You responding to them gives them audience, which is exactly what they wanted. They wanted to hijack you and your audience into their view of you. Don't feed the beast. Yeah, but I'm just defending myself. You don't need to defend yourself. God is your judge. He's your vindication. The Lord Jesus will hold me accountable. Okay, that's not, I don't need to, I don't respond to the haters. You send a hate mail to, e you send a hate email to Waters Church, um, I never see it because the team has already chosen to protect me from it. They don't give me the hate emails. I only get the good ones. <laughs> Pastor Tim really preached a good word today. Oh, we'll send that to him. <laughs> I love that. I don't want to hear the hate. I just don't because I don't think that the hate usually comes from people who are with you or for you. And so you've got to do this in your life. You've got to put up some boundaries in your relationships. Who am I listening to? Who am I associating with? Who am I getting around? Are they causing me unnecessary grief? I don't know about you, but I got enough regular grief. I don't need a regular grief from some hater online or some hater on the email or whatever. Don't ever send me an unmarked envelope with 50 pages of your complaints. I will not even open it. 
I will tear it. You need to do this. These are good principles for you because most of the time, the haters have no substance. They just wanna hijack your audience. Letter C, cursing. Cursing. Taking God's name in vain. Exodus chapter 20, verse seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. There are two ways that we curse. There's two ways that we take God's name in vain. Using the name of Jesus as a swear word. I did a research about this over the last 30 years. The increase of profanity in entertainment has multiplied by 15 times. 1,500% more profanity in entertainment today. It's almost like every other word is an F or an S. You know exactly what I'm talking about, but there's also the problem of they use the word GD, they use Jesus Christ, and here's the worst one. They'll put the F word in the middle of Jesus and Christ. It's sick. And it is a sign of our cultural decay. You ever notice how it's never Buddha? You ever notice? Never Muhammad? It's never Hare Krishna. Nobody ever stubs their toe. Hare Krishna! Oh, that hurt. Hare Krishna. I'll tell you, it's the greatest proof that the devil knows that Jesus Christ is the name above all names. It's the greatest proof. Because he doesn't even waste his time with Buddha. He doesn't even waste his time. I don't even waste my time with that mate named Muhammad. That name can't save anybody. I don't even waste my time with Buddha. That name can't save anybody. But he knows that the name of Jesus sets the captives free. You got television on in your house and they're using that name in vain. Turn it off. Don't let your kids see it. That name's hallowed in your house. What is the first prayer? What is the first line of the Lord's prayer? Our Father, hallowed be your name. Another way we take God's name in vain, this is a big one, and Christians do this all the time. The Lord told me to tell you. Anybody at Waters Church does it to you, to, to, does that to you, walk away. I don't like that phrase. People try to do that to me all the time. The Lord gave me a word for you. Really? Why didn't he just give it to me? And, and, and it's a manipulation tactic. And here's why, because they want you to take what they say more seriously than you normally would. Now hear me, I have no problem with you saying, I feel like I should share something. And if it's encouraging, I'll receive it. But don't do the manipulation little uh, hijack Jesus, get him on your team. I was in prayer over you and Jesus spoke to me over you and bleh. I was preaching on a Saturday night many years ago. This woman came from another church. She came in our church and she came up to me after service and she did this to me. She goes, uh, the Lord gave me a word for you. I said, nope, don't wanna hear it. No, no, the Lord gave me a word. I said, no, I don't wanna hear it. I will not receive it. She said, no, no, no. And I started to walk away. That's what you gotta do, you gotta walk away. And she just, because she was obnoxious, she yelled it out. She said, the Lord told me to tell you that you're burnt out. Now here's the problem. I had just come back, literally, the day before, from three weeks of vacation. <laughs> this is, but this is the problem with spiritual manipulation and using the Lord told me to tell you. If I am burnt out after preaching one sermon after three weeks of vacation, ladies and gentlemen, I'm in the wrong business. Ignorance, no knowledge of me, no friendship, no relationship, no buy-in to what the church is about. I will listen to our elders, I will listen to our pastors who tell me, the Lord said, and I've, our location pastors have spoken into my life, and this is what you need. You need people who know you. 
Because pro- I believe prophecy is real. We can speak prophetically over people and to each other. But this manipulation, third party, let me hijack the name of Jesus to get my voice heard is nonsense. It's a f- religious game and you need to reject it. Letter, bo- letter D, quarreling. Quarreling. When we quarrel, and the quarreling word here is you're just, you're going at them in words that are cutting because the word is machamai, which might be the word we get machete from, <laughs> honestly. Quarreling words are cutting words. And, per, and 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 24, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. You can't be, the, you can't be doing it. Do you want to cut people down with your words? You got to stop it. This is especially true in husbands and wives. You've got to stop cutting each other down. You can have arguments, but you cannot and, not, and should not cut each other. Slice each other. And how many know, we all know, husbands and wives, how to cut the other one. We know the pressure points to push. We need the Lord to change our hearts. This is all hard. This is why Psalm 141, verse 3, the, the, the psalmist says, set a guard over my mouth. Because he struggled with it too. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Okay, letter, number three, to tame the tongue, embrace words that build others, um, that build you and others. So you're either burying or building. Building your life. There's words that will build your life and the lives of others. What are those words? Let's go to the first one. Words that build up truthful words. So you get that word in your head. I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. That's not true. I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ, who is the truth. And I declare over my life, I am well. I am healed. I am saved. I am whole. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am born again of the heavenly seed. I'm a child of Abraham. I am blessed. This is, you have to speak this truthful words over you and over others. What are you saying? What are you rehearsing? Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. Sometimes the, the truth hurts. A couple of weeks ago, somebody came up to me and said, oh, you know, you were, you, this guy I met on the outside of the church and he said he used to come, but then you mentioned that transgenderism was wrong and so he left. I said, good. Good. This is nonsense. I'm amazed at how many preachers are not talking about this. I'm sickened by it. I'm disgusted by it. They're destroying the kids. They're coming for our kids and they're destroying the kids. This is the confusion the devil wants to sow into the seeds of our next generation because the government wants automatons that will obey them. We are not those kind of people. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are set free. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And they might hate us for the truth, but we will tell them the truth. And, and Jesus, you know, Jesus was preaching one time and the, and, the, and the Pharisees got offended and the disciples came up to Jesus and said, uh, did, you, did you know that the Pharisees got offended by what you just said? You know what Jesus said? He said, leave them. Blind guides. And then he says, every tree that's not planted by my father will be uprooted. Jesus knew if you speak the truth, the people who are born again will come run into the truth and the people who don't know the truth will leave. And he had no problem with that. People leave our church all the time because they get upset by something I said. They get upset by something I said that was true in the word of God. In the beginning, God made the male and female and he never made a mistake. There's two genders, there's two genders and it's not a mystery as to which gender you are. If you need instructions, talk to someone afterwards. There's plenty of people who can help you. But the fact of the matter is, is this is an ideology that is destroying a generation and it's time that the church speak up loudly and offend some people for the sake of truth. 
And if you get offended by what I say and you leave, understand it's probably because you're not actually planted in the kingdom of God. You will leave. I expect you to leave. But I know that those, the plants that God has planted, wild horses can't take them out of the church because they know they found the truth and everything else is a lie. Truth hurts, but then truth heals. It's like the surgeon's scalpel. It's got to cut through the skin and hurt first to get the cancer out. Then the next one, encouraging words. Building people up. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter three, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in an evil, unbelieving heart any of you. And he says, some of you, you're gonna be tempted to fall away. And he says, but here's the answer to falling away. Exhort or encourage one another every day. Somebody say every day. And then it says, as long as it's called today. Is, it, is today today? So today's a day we should be encouraging somebody. Who have you encouraged lately? Who have you sat down or just spoken to and said, I just love this about you? Never stop. There's a light in this area of your life. This is good. You are a blessing to me. I love you. I thank God for you. Who have you said thank you to? Who have you acknowledged public employee employers? What employee needs your verbal affirmation in the sight of all the other employees? Encourage other people. Next word that builds up timely words. Now here's something that we all struggle with. And this is one of my big struggles. There's a time to say it and there's a time not to say it. If you ask my wife, she will tell you I have no filter. She is my filter. She's been working on that filter for the 22 years. We just had our anniversary a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, amen. Thank you. And, uh, but anyway, she's about 64% done with my filter. <laughs> she's the one who's always saying, why did you say that? That's not the time to say that. Timely words. Because I'll say to her, well, because it was true. She's like, oh, well, you know. Uh, so Proverbs 25, 11 says, a word fitly spoken. There's words that you gotta fit in at the right time. If somebody comes to you, they just lost their mom, they just lost their dog, they just lost someone. You don't just say, well, God is still good. Sometimes you say, that really stinks. I'm so sorry. I, I feel for you, that's awful, that's terrible. The scripture says in Romans, we weep with those who weep. We mourn with those who mourn, that's okay. We don't always have to be way up here. No, sometimes we gotta get down into the weeping seg segments of society and weep with people. Timely words. Let verse, uh, uh, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the what? The occasion. God help me to speak the right words at the right time to the right people. Lastly, words that build up preserving words. These are words that keep people saved. <laughs> not, not that we have to keep people saved, but they just keep people from quitting. God keeps us from quitting too, but we do, he does that through the church. He does it through our words. Do you got a friend in your life that you can call when you wanna give up? I got a friend like that, and they always give me the pres preserving word, don't give up. We're just getting started, don't stop. It looks bad right now, but we're not done yet. Colossians chapter four, verse six, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Salt in the ancient world was a preservative. Let your speech preserve the faith of others. It's far better when somebody's way down in the dumps feeling terrible about themselves, it's far better for you to say, look, I understand it's bad right now, and it might very well be bad right now, but God is not done with you yet. And we need to hear that from one another. 
That's why God gives us all those different light bulbs so we can hear from those different light bulbs and hear different words of encouragement from other people. Number four, tame the tongue, welcome the Holy Spirit. Remember when I said that no man can, well, I didn't say it, James said it, no man can tame the tongue. So you can't, your wife can't, your spouse can't, your kids can't, your grandpa can't, no one can. But God can. And he wants to. And he does it through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in you and, uh, upon conversion. The, whole, the third person of the Trinity comes inside of you. Mark chapter nine, verse five says, salt is good. Jesus says, salt is good, but if it loses the saltiness, how will it be made salty again? Have salt in yourselves. So salt was a preserving agent, but guess what else it was? It was a purifying agent in the ancient world. It purified. When newborn babies were born, to purify the outside of the baby, they would rub it in salt. They would rub it in salt. And they would cleanse the baby's body from the impurities. Well, Jesus said, I want you to have salt in you. I want you to have a purifying agent in you. Because he says in another passage, make the tree good and the fruit will be good. So some of us are trying to fix the fruit, but we need the root changed. How does the root get changed? Through the Holy Spirit. First Peter chapter one, verse 22. This is the last verse I'm gonna share today. I know I was long, but it was a necessary word. Uh, he says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. He says, through the Spirit, you're purified. It's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit of God. Changes us progressively through process, and it takes time. But we are, if we are born again, believe it or not, we are being purified. Now, you need to ask always for more of the Holy Spirit. It's not that he's like divided in you. It's just that he can either fill you or he can just be in you. I wanna be filled. And, and when we ask for the Holy Spirit, the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit, sometimes to purify what's in here so that what comes out of here is pure. You can't tame your tongue, I can't tame my tongue, God can. Sermon resolve, I didn't put sermon in a sentence on purpose because it's just, I want us to make a commitment. I want us to resolve about that. My words will be pure and helpful as my heart is purified and helped by God. And this message is for every single person listening because every single person struggles with this one issue. This is a universal issue. James said, no man can do it. I struggle with it. I'm speaking to myself today. I'm speaking to you. So please don't leave here today. Please don't do this. Please don't say, that was such a good word. I wish my brother was here. You needed to hear it we need to speak life in a world that is obsessed with death.